CAO for Math at Unbounded. I'm joined today by Andrew Chen. We're very privileged to have Andrew here. He is a lot of things. He is professor and research scientist at MIT. Additionally, he's done a lot of important work with the math standards, interacting with the USDOE, the Mass Board of Education, pretty much any nonprofit you can name. Uh, he's done a lot of thinking and work about uh, what great math instruction looks like, grades K to 12, and we're excited to chat today. I've been involved in education not for a very long time, but mm -hmm. more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I've lived through a couple of different times when we change the standards. Yeah. Right? And, and so it seems like the standards keep changing. Mm -hmm. But this time, we're hoping that people pay attention, yeah. maybe in a different way, in a deeper way. So I'm curious to know, why do you think that is? Why, why are we expecting different things this time? You know, I'm similar to you. I've been officially um, involving education, let's say, as a parent first. I observe my kids' own education. And then uh, eventually I figure out there's some delta, some changes or differences between uh, the Asian countries and the USA. So I decided to um, pitch in and do something about it. So I would say the standard issue there are 50 states plus D.C. The, each state has their own standard, and by their own law, every f maybe 10 years or so, they need a revision. So by definition, standards need to be revised every, like, there's a shelf life. But this one is different. And as you know, in USA, <laughs> you recall this uh, multiple episodes of math wars, mm -hmm. yes? Yeah, tell us yeah. a little more about that. What oh, were the math wars? Uh, math wars, uh, even in the 1800s, before education was public, even if it was an elitist thing, people couldn't agree on what to teach and how to teach. So it's not new. However, I think the nature of the beast changed because now we're talking about public education. Mm -hmm. We educate over 90% of the population worldwide. In the 60s, when the Sputnik went up, I think USA um, panicked and said, wow, we need to do something about it. And then uh, we have the first episode of math wars, meaning the changes that triggered was that USA decided to um, get a bunch of smart people get together and say, wow, how should we teach? What should we learn? What should our kids know? And the outcome was so-called, we called it new math. Day, right? right, and it was um, conceptual driven. It's like concept, and if you know some math, they actually um, lesson one hundred and one is set theory, <laughs> and it, mathematically it's correct because set theory actually encompasses all sub branches of mathematics. So, so it's it's very sexy for mathematicians. However, long story short, the outcome is Johnny can't add. So this country um, attempted to upgrade is math education, but there's some undesirable outcome because it's too conceptual-oriented. So the next trigger point was about 1989. Remember the NCTM, National um, Council of Te Teachers of Mathematics? They wrote a three-volume Bible known as the Standards and documenting what kids should learn and how we should teach. And in there, it focused on different things focuses on problem solving. So 
swinging from conceptual understanding to problem solving as if if you train the kids to know how to solve real world problem then eh, computation is not essential in the standard they actually said and I'm quoting that computation uh, especially fluency should be de-emphasized that word de-emphasized uh, it got interpreted and misinterpreted in multiple ways so a lot of even education school professors they actually tell potential teachers or not well future teachers you know it doesn't matter you don't have to memorize the tables and the outcome is even worse right we have a whole generation of kids who doesn't know the facts basic facts so we have went through two versions of math wars so in year 2000 I think people begin to sense we need some common ground you are right and I'm right but uh, we should strike some common ground so more and more people who usually don't see eye to eye they got together and wrote some papers together and those are laying a very nice foundation for it and I have to remind uh, everyone there's a very interesting paper it's called rising above the gathering storm 2005 if you google it you'll find it rising above the gathering storm and it's documenting as a country USA hey we rock in the Olympics right we got gold most gold most silver blah 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 total middle counts but when it comes to education we got ranked number like what 38 or something and our government uh, they begin to sense this pressure so they hire these eggheads to write this report it's called rising above the gathering storm and made some specific recommendations asking federal government to step in into education and you know what according to our constitution education is a state issue and it's all it's a no can do and so very little happened until like 2010 version 2 popped up it's called rising above the gathering storm part 2 and the subtitle is approaching category 5 and in this one they documented more recommendations with a dollar amount tied to each recommendation and why is that and why is that leading to this st new standards we're talking about it is because if you want to talk about patriotism if you want to really defend this country well military might is one thing but another front that we are fighting is called this country's um, I would say economic competitiveness just look at cell phones right and you know we are kind of losing it iPhone is great but there are many many other <laughs> cell phones manufacturers and designers and they're beating us left and right so it sounds weird how what why does cell phone how does it tie to um, standard I think the indirect correlation that we are talking about is that we need to train thinkers we need to educate our kids so that they can think so that some of them can grow up they can make this country more competitive instead of just keep relying on imports Imports, I mean importing brain power. I don't mean importing machines. I'm talking about importing top brains. So education is growing brains. We want to figure out a better way to grow brains locally. 
and therefore NGA, National Governors Association, and Achieve, they got together and tried to do something grassroots. Again, this is not government. This is governors and a private organization trying to put together some higher standard for our students. So it's kind of a long story. So why should we think this one is different? Because this one is different, because, <laughs> because we feel the pain. We already woke up and smell the coffee that we need to up the game. Mm -hmm. The status quo of, yeah, it's not going to fly. From what you're saying, if we, if we put the standards in a historical context, one of the ways that I've thought about them is almost as a compromise, right? Because you've, mm -hmm. you've named a couple of events. You've named yeah. the, the Sputnik moment. Mm -hmm. You've named the NCTM standards. Mm -hmm. And when I look at the standards today, mm -hmm. I see those, the spirit of those moments are still alive, right? Yes. Because, because I, see, I see the conceptual understanding, right? Yes. And I, and I see a lot of the NCTM standards, uh, the process strands yeah. alive in the mathematical practices. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? Yes. I totally agree with what you just said. Actually, okay. I was tempted to do a high five with you. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't work on a podcast. Yeah. But. Okay, well, so we've talked a little bit about rigor, mm -hmm. right, which is one of the shifts. And there's a couple other shifts, too. One of them is coherence. Mm -hmm. And maybe we could start with What's your take? What does that mean? What is, what is the instructional shift of coherence all about? Yes. If you compare mathematics with other subjects, for example, history, let's say, does it matter if you teach civil war first or the ancient Roman wars or Greek wars or the most recent Persian Gulf Wars? They're connections, but does it matter where you start? Does it have to be chronological? I think you can find reasons for doing things your way. However, in mathematics, I'm quoting uh, Steven Pinker from Harvard. He said, mathematics is ruthlessly cumulative, all the way down to counting from 1 to 10. Ruthlessly? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And um, what this is telling us is that, as a subject, mathematics has an inherent structure. You cannot go from here to there without going through this, 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 and that. And therefore, it's kind of almost, if you look at the mathematics knowledge, you can actually draw a map of it starting from kindergarten, counting one, two, three fingers, and all the way to 12th grade, when you're doing fancy things, calculus and beyond. You can actually draw a map, and those maps are uh, very hierarchical. And therefore, this word coherence, coherence, uh, again, it has many meanings, like laser is a coherent light and you know that guy is speaking in an incoherent way <laughs> but here um, when in the standard when we talk about coherence we are talking about a logical progression that makes sense mm. duh we just said there's an internal structure so you cannot go from here to there yeah. and i think ancient greek we heard that story there was an emperor wanted to 
uh, learn geometry faster, right? Mm -hmm. And the famous saying was, Your Honor, there's no royal road in geometry, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're a king, you want to learn geometry? No, there's no, mm -hmm. no shortcut. Mm -hmm. You have to start from the beginning. Right. All right. So what we're talking about this word coherence. Coherence means there's a logical progression from lower grade to higher grade. And it's good and bad. It's good because it's so structured. We can be good doctors and diagnose people. We know where people are. We know what to do with people. It's bad in the sense that if you have a gap here, it's going to come back and haunt you. So going from grade to grade, we see, we, earlier on we said ruthlessly cumulative, right? So if you have a gap here, it's going to prevent you from learning higher grade stuff. And eventually, um, you can't you can really learn math. You can do monkey see, monkey do. A lot of teachers resort to, um, oh, for this, you use this trick, and it will always give you the right answer. Mm -hmm. Forget about asking why. You always get the right answer. Okay, I'll follow it. But you know what? It might help you solve this problem, but you don't remember it. You don't even know what the heck is happening. Mm -hmm. So that's really not the best way to learn or teach math. That's why um, we need to address this issue of uh, mathematics. Actually, it's so cumulative. And knowing this feature, teachers can use it to their advantage because today in today's day and age um, in USA classrooms a typical thing we run into is that in September you inherit a group of students they're not perfect some are better than others but mostly they're gaps they learned it last year they learned it two years ago but it's not there now and that will slow things down. And in other countries, because of many other reasons we can talk about, um, the retention is better, not in USA. And since mathematics is um, so ruthlessly cumulative, and if kids have no retention, it's really hard to move them forward. And therefore, in USA, teaching math is a tough job. Mm -hmm. It's so tough that most teachers would uh, knock on the principal's door and say, I can't do this. You expect me to teach this blah, 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 but my kids can't even do blue, blue, blue. So that's a typical scenario. So that's driving principals and teachers insane. And it's a USA disease. So. What's the solution? The solution is to fully understand this nature called coherence of mathematical knowledge. That, indeed, you cannot go from here to there without knowing this. Mm -hmm. You know what? Suck it up. I'm, this is my class now. Nobody can help me. I'm the only one at the helm. I'm the only teacher who can help these 25 precious little munchkins. So my job is to RTFS a few grades lower to figure out what's needed. Because I'm it. These are my munchkins, and they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. 
And my job is to figure out what's missing in them. And although I teach fourth grade, you know what, I need to figure out how to teach the second grade stuff and third grade stuff so that I can attempt to patch them up real quick and move on. It sounds crazy, but that's almost the only way to maintain sanity. One way that I've, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll maybe dive into a couple of those examples in a second, but one way that I've thought about coherence is that if you think about teaching or, or a period of instruction as having some output, right? So the output yeah. is I want my students doing some math, and, yeah. I, and I want them doing math on grade level, and, and, and that's, that's the outcome. There's a lot of different inputs that, mm -hmm. that you could use to at least make it look like that's happening, mm -hmm. right? And, and one of the, I think, the, the key element of coherence, what, what, what the shift of coherence is, is moving us to do is to say that actually the input is the math that my students already know. Yeah. The input is not a trick. The input is not... It's not anything but the math that my students already mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always reminded of my roommate in college who um, at one point I, I told him I wanted to be an applied math major. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, I want to do applied math too. I just want to apply math to other math, which obviously didn't wasn't <laughs> what I wanted to do. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, but I do think that coherence is at its core really about using the math that students already know to lead them to more math. Thank you, Pete. This is an excellent point. Because of this inherent structure, so that the word coherence actually has a very interesting meaning, as you described, that if we are not careful, I think most teachers uh, because of the reality of the students we're dealing with, will resort to teaching mathematics in a certain way so that when the kids grow up, I'm sorry, I'm going to make things up, okay? So when the kids grow up, they say, oh yeah, math, I know math. Math is a kind of a random collection of rules you memorize and then, uh, you know, get the answers right and then uh, forget all about it. It's very far from the truth. Mm -hmm. Pete, what you just said is that mathematics actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. What you knew from way back piled up, it'll help you learn the next thing. Sure. So this logical progression of concept after concept, they build upon each other. They are so connected. Sure. The way you add decimals, we kind of learned from the way you add whole numbers. They are not separate tricks. They, they, they are extended. When the numbers get uglier, the concepts are still the same, and the procedure is extended. So I think a good teacher should try to, of course, we can all add, subtract, multiply, divide, all sorts of different things, but try to understand what Pete is talking about, you are talking about, that, that these actually build upon what we sure. learned last year. So, so an example of this might be, right, yeah. let's say the output that I'm, the desired output is I want my students to multiply two binomials. Yes. Right? This is a... What is a binomial? A binomial is, yeah. so I'm going to get this wrong, but I'll say a binomial is a polynomial with two terms. Mm-hmm. What is a polynomial? That's a little bit circular there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Polynomial is 
algebraic expression yeah. involving addition and sub addition or subtraction mm -hmm. of variable terms. Mm -hmm. Does that satisfy yeah. the PhD in the room? Does it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sure there's problems with that definition, but we'll we'll come back to that maybe. Yeah. Um, so I my my input mm -hmm. could be foil, mm -hmm. right? I could say if I want my students to can we make up an example like yeah. in a parenthesis? Yes, I've got it. You, you write x plus two. X plus two. That's times three right. x minus five. Oh, so or, there are two parentheses. Right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Each one has two thingy in there. You, you're right. right. Yes. Um, and so a lot. I I certainly learned foil. Yeah. And that's a method that a lot of people use to teach students to be able to do this. <laughs> right. And but we see a couple of shortcomings with that approach. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of them is the success of my students being able to multiply those depends entirely on their ability. To remember that rule mm -hmm. and and apply it at the correct time. Yeah. The other thing is that it's very limiting in the number of cases yes. that I'm able to multiply. So, for example, I could not multiply a binomial by a trinomial. Right. Don't ask me to define that, but right. a trinomial is like a binomial. Things, right. But right. but I could think instead of a different input. Right. The input to get this output. Right. right. Might be. So we'll use what the standards say, which is to understand that the structure of the, the system of polynomials is yeah. the same as the structure of the system of integers right. that I already know. Yeah. And that actually something like, say, 2x plus 1, mm -hmm. if I think of that as a, a number in base x, mm -hmm. is very much like a number in base 10 that I already know, so that multiplying 2x, I'm using the di different mm -hmm. binomials each time now, yeah. but, but say multiplying 2x plus 5 times 3x plus 5 is actually pretty similar to multiplying 25 by 35. So, so say 20 plus 5 times 30 plus 5. And so I'm using this example to illustrate how coherence, right? So using yes. the math that my students already know yeah. As as the wow, way to learn is, new math. This is cool. Is, I, I was is, wondering how many yeah. teachers can actually see through this coherence piece, right. like the multi-digit whole number multiplication. Mm -hmm. It's actually tied to uh, algebra right. multiplication. Right. And I think if our teachers can see through this, I think they'll become better teachers themselves. And I think it's, so I was saying, you know, the limitations with using FOIL, yeah. right? I have to remember something yeah. and apply it at the right time. It's yeah. also only a very special case. Yeah. But what's the advantage to doing it this, to, to using the structure of mm -hmm. whole numbers? Yeah. Well, you can, there's more cases. This, this will, it's universally applicable. Yep. It's based on something my students already understand. And I think the other thing to think about is, how many times do we have to reteach multiplication, right? <laughs> because I learned how to multiply whole numbers, and I yeah. thought I knew how to multiply, and then my yeah. teacher said, well, I have to teach you a new way to multiply yeah. fractions, right. and a new way to multiply decimals, right. and a new way to multiply integers, and now a new way to multiply. Wow. But I can now draw this thread through all the multiplication that I know. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be easier for me. Yeah. So. And if we read the, our standards, 
closer, you actually see those words. Sure. It says, please connect this to yes. uh, the yes. last piece. Yes. Yeah. AAPR1 yeah. is the high school standard. That yes. The second half of it says <laughs> add, subtract, multiply, uh, add, subtract, multiply polynomials. Right. The first half says understand the analogy between the polynomials and the integers I see. In, in a way that's... I see. Um, so, yeah. so this is connected to what we just talked about, that there's a map. Yes. <laughs> yes. So earlier yeah. grade stuff would grow up and yep. mature into higher grade stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, you mentioned foil. Can I share with you? <laughs> it's everybody's favorite never punching heard of bag. It until, <laughs> until I came to this country. Uh-huh. Foil stands for first pair, yeah. outer pair, yeah. inner pair, and last pair. Yeah. And let me share with you some story. Um, in my prior life, I wrote a piece of software. It was so cool and so interactive and so interesting that publisher wanted to translate into Spanish, all right? And then we sent all the stuff to Mexico. It's the most desirable form of Spanish worldwide. And then they said, can do. However, two questions. First question, what is foil? <laughs> Second one is, what, what is rice and run? These two sticks out like mm -hmm. sore thumb mm -hmm. because the rest of the world, Mexico included, don't teach foil mm -hmm. and don't teach rice overrun. Mm -hmm. That slope thing, mm -hmm. it is change, vertical change divided by horizontal change. Mm -hmm. You don't need that rice overrun. It's a crutch that can be mm -hmm. um, ditched as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, sorry, I mean, but I agree with you, this coherent thing is so you don't use it if you don't use it it's you're kind of missing something big sure yeah well let's talk about a specific example we've talked about how students they have gaps mm -hmm. and because mathematics is ruthlessly cumulative those those gaps come back to haunt them mm -hmm. right so let's let's imagine you're a sixth grade teacher mm -hmm. and and you're going to embark upon you know, a unit about ratios. My students have gaps. How could we use study of the standards or study of coherence? How could that help that teacher that's, that's about to teach ratio in sixth grade? Ratio, it's, uh, you are quite right. According to our standard, we're gonna face that in at about sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Because when we were younger, like little boys and little girls, when you said, well, why don't you compare these two numbers, three and seven? And they would say, four. <laughs> what about uh, two and 1.1? They would say, 0 0.9. And they always zoom in on the difference. Mm -hmm. When they were young, given two numbers, you always think, which one is bigger? The only tool you have is look at the difference. That's the only lens you have, which is good. But now we want to introduce them when they grow up into sixth grade. There are another way, another lens to compare two numbers. For example, two and three, you can say, well, one is the difference. Let's try again. Eight and four, and you say, oh, it's four. That's the difference. But you know what? We're trying to train them to look at eight and four again. Boys and girls, look at eight and four again. 
we know eight is bigger, but there's another way to compare them. And the way to compare them is, is you train them so that they smell it, eight and four. You know what? Two fours, two copies of four makes an eight, or equivalent. Eight is two times bigger than four. So you want to capture that, that how do you compare these two numbers? Instead of focusing just on the difference four, a slightly more mature way is to say, well, it's two times. And where did you get the two? You have to use division. And that sensation, if the numbers are clean, that sensation has to come from your uh, familiarity with the, f the facts, the multiples, right? Twelve and three, and you say four times. Yeah, it's almost like you need to know your tables so that you can operate in this ratio mode. Mm -hmm. And those are easy. I'll try that again. Twelve and three, you say four. <laughs> and if I said twelve and th four, you said three. <laughs> good, good, good. Now, what about, ready? Six and four. And then, uh, six and four, they don't really divide cleanly. And then we need a more uh, subtle way to capture this sensation. Four and six, yeah, 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 we know the difference is two, but get over that. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about if you divide them, what do you get? Mm -hmm. And, oh, four to six, it's like, it's the same as like two to three-ish, mm -hmm. yeah. So that is what we are going to graduate, mm -hmm. graduate them into. So a teacher needs to kind of know these kind of progression and know that they have already been trained on multiples. Mm -hmm. So use the kids' knowledge about multiples to face them into this new notion of ratios. And again, basing, basing the new math on the math that they already know. Um, and in your example, you're even going back before multiples to, yeah. to additive comparison. Yeah. Right. right yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah, because I think kids will think they're more mature when they can compare two numbers <laughs> in a different way. Right. Yeah. Right. So we've talked a little bit about, or I think we mentioned at least, that the, the standards for mathematical practice have their roots in parts of the NCTM standards. Yes. You know, I think some of, the, some of the research coming out of adding it up and, mm -hmm. and, and some of the stuff around the 2000s exactly. like you were talking about. And I think Roger Howe was yes, involved in that. right, yeah. our mutual friend. Yes. And I think they're, they're one of the most exciting parts of the standards, in my opinion. Tell us about the practices, uh, in your view. Are, are, yeah. are they important? Yeah. Uh, wh why are they there? Yeah. And practices are um, a set of habits of mind that we hope our students can uh, develop in their own head. And the first one in mathematics, it's called make sense of the problem and persevere in solving them. Wow, just read it again. <laughs> to me, this is not math. This is kind of secret of success in life. Duh, you need to make sense of the problems you're running into, like mortgage problem or marriage problem. You need to have the guts to stare at the problem, analyze it know the nature of the problem before you attempt any solution. So that first half alone is worth a million dollars. 
make sense of the problem. It sounds like a slogan, but if you really think about it, it's pretty deep. And the second part, it's even deeper. It says the P word, persevere in solving them. It's easier said than done. And when we say these are practices, these are eight bullets that are not teachers do. These are students do. Okay, so whoever said they're already doing it in their classroom, they need to be very careful. We are talking about our students doing this in our classrooms. You know what? I want to challenge most teachers. Most, I'm sorry, it sounds like I'm very hostile, but I'm not. What I'm saying is that our kids don't like to do word problems. So when they see words, it's not a computation thing, it's a word problem. And the kids are oh, I'm out of here. They drop their pencil, I can't do word problems. So they don't even read the problem. They don't even make sense of the problem. So, job one, make sure kids can read, they can understand the problem, forget about solving. Do they understand the story? And then step two is, okay, now you know what they want from you. I know you have no clue, right? How are you going to get started? And don't give up. Your first try might fail, but you know what? Keep trying. Try another way. This is called persevere, perseverance over there. So it's, it's, it looks like it's, oh, check, I've done it all the time. No, sorry. <laughs> Read it again. It's very interesting. This is student two. Okay, and that's just number one of the eight of them. Mm -hmm. So I think... Um, when you said RTFS, <laughs> this included. Sure. Read it very carefully yeah. because it's pretty subtle. I know when I started teaching and when I was in the classroom, and I think when I, when I talk to a lot of teachers and I, you know, if you ask a teacher why, a math teacher, why, why do you do this? What, mm -hmm. what do you hope for your students, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you hear, I tend to hear three different things. So, mm -hmm. so one is maybe this student is, is going to go be successful in a STEM field. Right. Yeah. Another is I want my students to be able to solve math problems in everyday life. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is kind of what you've already said, which is about training your mind yeah. to think mathematically and yeah. deeply. And it's very easy to draw a pretty straight line mm -hmm. from all of those desires. Right. Yes. Everything we hope for our students is really captured in those practices really well, whether it's... Um, you know, the kind of modeling that yeah. you might do in a STEM career. Yeah. Uh, it's the argument construction yeah. Yeah. That, that you might do, solving problems, you know, looking for patterns, yeah. uh, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I think the, the one way of thinking about the practices is it's really everything we dream for yeah. our students is, is really wrapped up in those practices. So do practices. you love it, Pete? I do. Me I love too. It. I love yeah. them to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess the... Yeah, I think we're we're not alone in thinking that, right? right? I think they're they're popular, they're exciting. So I guess what's 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 important to know, yeah. right? And so I think you, yeah. you've named one thing that I want to highlight, which is yeah. they are they are framed in terms of students, yeah, for, um, for students, which, which makes yeah. it it difficult, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm the teacher, and I can. I can give you a challenging problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I can. There's different things I can do, but the the practices set a very high bar for students. What else? What else is yeah. important to know? Yeah, and even the first bullet. Um, how do you make your kids not quit? Mm. 
-hmm. That's our job, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. They are ready to quit. So yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Parents need to know this too, because a lot of um, demanding problems that the kids initially don't have any clue about how to get started. That's healthy. That's that's we are inducing so-called productive struggle. Mm -hmm. That word struggle in uh, American culture, it has only negative connotation. But the standard, the first bullet in the standard, again, we are kind of harping on the same line again, is uh, persevere in solving them. That, if you can make kids deliver that, they are building mental muscles. Mm -hmm. As you know, if, when you go pumping iron, you're sweating, you're panting, it's uncomfortable. You're struggling, you're dying halfway. Same with math mathematics. You want to kind of grow your mental muscle, yep. like dying halfway. And it sounds discon like it's like, what are you, you want to torture my kid? In a way, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think that the training is a great analogy because, yeah. uh, you know, in, in my experience, you can, you might start with the class yeah. where they can do this for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that's okay on day one. Mm -hmm. Maybe on day two, it's 45 seconds or mm. it's a minute. I used to tell my students, yeah. I, I, I remember once, <laughs> uh, you know, I asked them, how long do you think you've been working on this problem? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And the answer was it was about 90 seconds. Yeah. Um, and I used to talk about my, my friend who was getting a Ph.D. in math at the, mm -hmm. at the time, and I said, you know how long he's been working on, mm -hmm. on his problem? say you know a year and a half mm -hmm. <laughs> um so i think that there's there's a couple lessons there one is you have to get used to it mm -hmm. right so so you have to start small mm -hmm. maybe start with with a, a minute or two mm -hmm. and and work up to more challenging yes. more yes. longer extended times of, yep. of problem solving um just like training just right? like training um yep. and 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 just like training you need motivation right yeah. you you need to shoot for goals and, yep. and, and hear about, celebrate the success of, of students that are able to, to struggle with, with challenging problems. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of good analogies there. Yep. However, I think, I think we've been working with uh, schools, districts for a long time, and we saw some danger signs. Um, mm. Allow me to yeah. bring it out. Is that sure. okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, these eight bullets, known as standards of mathematical practice, they are so lovable, and a lot of uh, people are providing training on those, like standalone training on SMP. I would even go out and say these are so lovable, I would call them sexy. These are very sexy bullets. Everybody want them. And I want to add a however here. However, it's kind of a impossible to try to do the practice out of vacuum. You need to marry it. You need to glue it to every topic in mathematics that you do. What I'm saying is that, for example, in science we have scientific methods, yes? And you teach it in day one. That doesn't mean you're done. In science classrooms, Every day, you need to induce struggles, so the kids need to use scientific methods 
to crank through and get some decent answers or conclusions. In math, ditto. Every day we teach different topics. No matter what topic that is, we need to come back and look at these eight bullets and say, hmm, within this topic, mm -hmm. how do I make my kids do this bullet and mm -hmm. do that bullet? So it's a constant thing. Right. It's not like, well, today I'm going to do bullet number three, and yes. then you teach it for a week, and done, yeah. check off. Sure. No, no, no. From kindergarten to 12, K to 12, almost every day you have to pick a few bullets to play with in your classroom. Right. Am I saying it? Yeah, right? and I think that, you know, that's... It's an exciting experience that, yeah. that I've had when you when you really look at the content standards carefully. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can see little clues mm -hmm. that, that tell you things like explaining the pattern and the number of zeros when, mm. when multiplying by a number ten, right? Yeah. Is I'm oh, sorry, by a power of ten, which is which is a good clue. I'm gonna construct an argument, I'm gonna attend to precision, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do all that good stuff. Other, you know, some of the function standards in, in high school, modeling a phenomena using a, a linear function, an exponential function, exactly. give me clues about, about maybe using MP4. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's almost like an exciting journey to go on. It's, it's yes. the next level, right? Once yes. I, I've really explored the content standards, I've mm -hmm. explored the practice standards, and now I want to see how can I get these to work together um, yeah. in, in a yeah. way that's, that's uh, coherent. True. Right, to, yeah. to bring it all together. Yeah. So. And uh, some warning sign, because I saw some administrators, they, I'm sorry to say that they, they know practice standards, they can understand the English. So they are pushing for it. And they are pushing so hard as if it is possible to teach it out of context, mm -hmm. as if it's the most important thing, like more important than the content because the content standard reads dry mm -hmm. and intimidating, right. but the practice standards reads very sexy. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I have to make an analogy here. Uh, I said practice standards, SMP, it's like a sexy tail that's attached to a dog. That dog is called mathematics content. <laughs> and our job is uh, not to let the tail whack the dog. Mm. So right. our job is still to teach the dog, right. but along the way, uh, induce some good habits of mind. And it's an integrated part, right? I yes. Mean, so they're they're not the whole show. Right. They're not a side show. Right. They're, they're something else. They're they're integrated. They're they're exactly. a part of the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like scientific methods. You have to do it every day. It's the air we breathe. Yeah. It's the air we breathe when we do mathematics. Yeah. All right, well, this has been a lot of fun uh, talking to you. Uh, thank you, Same Dr. Here. Dr. Hey. Andrew Chen, for, for stopping by. And I uh, hope to, to talk again someday. Yep. Can I shake your hand? <laughs> sure. Thank you.